It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever is at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, June 13th, and you're listening to episode 524. As always, I'm your host, Jason, here today, joined by a couple awesome people. First, we have one of our regular co-hosts, Kiri Bear. Hey, Kiri. Hey, Jason. It's good to have you back. And then we have uh, one of the other directors and game designers of Amble Studio, which is Logan Timmons. Hey, Logan. Hi. How you going, Jason? Good, good. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. I met you at uh, when I took the game design facilitators class, uh, which, as I've mentioned to people uh, in our Discord channel, I thought was very, very valuable and a lot of lot of fun. Met really good people, had a really good time, um, you know, learning uh, about. Uh, I, I joked because so many people were there to learn about game design um, as facilitators, and I was there to learn about facilitating with specific types of games as a game designer. So it was, it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Yeah, that surprised us too. I think we weren't really expecting that kind of audience, that there'd be an audience of game designers who would be coming along interested in facilitation or like just bringing those skills together. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. It was, and I think the, the some of the feedback we got when people were hanging around afterwards, the people in your group, Jason, when we did the, the breakouts and people were designing, starting to design their own games, people really valued having you there as, you know, a game designer who's confident in that. And um, so they really appreciated the, the crossing of, of the different expertise. Yeah, no, and it was fun because I, I got to learn from their experiences, you know, where um, as I was trying to help on the game design side, getting to hear their facilitator experiences or the goals that they were trying to achieve through the games uh, was was really enlightening to me and you know for the, some of the the more corporate style games I'm working on for for people that don't know though um uh, Logan why don't you tell us from your perspective because we, we've heard it from Kiri before but it's been a while of kind of what Amble's goals are as um as a studio you know for uh, for what you do for sure so the idea behind Amble Studio is around uh, recognizing the various skills that playing games, particularly story games and tabletop role-playing games, um, can build in the people who play them, often without necessarily trying to or not forcing it. Um, there's a lot of skills that are built just by a virtue of the way that tabletop games work. So, you know, mm -hmm. things like creative um, thinking, thinking outside the box, collaborating, working together, um, you know, improvisation as well. And there's things mm -hmm. around uh, turn-taking, bringing in everyone's voices, actively sharing the spotlight, um, lots and lots of skills that tabletop games encourage. Um, and so the, to, to further that, those are games that are not necessarily designed for people to explore these skills explicitly. They're often a byproduct that a lot of people notice. Um, so then with Amble, the idea is to, okay, what if we make games explicitly designed to, you know, focus on team building or encourage people to take turns or, um, you know, uh, uncover unconscious bias in each other, etc. And um, so moving into the space of applied and serious games um, and taking what, we, what we've experienced and what we know from playing games, um, you know, as hobbyists 
and taking it into a work context and how can we use um, and draw out these skills uh, in a more conscious way. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And and one of the things I appreciated too was that none of the games felt heavy handed. I think that that's like when I when I think when a lot of people think of like the classic like we're going to do a team building game, right? Or we're going to do a some sort of game to learn something about this business thing or this corporate thing is that the games are just like they just hit you over the head with like a hammer, right? <laughs> like to make you be like, I get it. I get it. Right. Um, but like even the games that you're making that feel explicit about it, um, they still feel somewhat subtle, like the explicitly that's the goal, but they don't feel like they're really hitting you over the head with it. Um, and I think that's, I think that's great because I think that, that like slight aspect of somewhat tricking people into learning is the best way to teach people. Right. I mean, it works with kids. It works with adults, right? If you can have them ease into the learning because they're having a good time and, I think you just drop a lot of resistance to that learning, right? Totally. I think yeah. a big part of that, uh, of it not feeling forced or, or heavy handed is the story layer mm -hmm. around it. So having story games particularly is the type of tabletop game that we like to employ. Yeah. yeah having yeah. a story is, yeah, kind of like you're saying, is that kind of trick. Like, oh, we're, go we're exploring this story. Right. You know, right. We're doing this fictional thing, um, but then turning it back around and, and using it to to you know, realize things or uh, extract skills and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think it's, it kind of lends itself to a real process of discovery, right? And when you can discover something on your own, even if you were led there, right? <laughs> um, uh, it still feels like you've discovered it on your own. And I think that that really gets a lot of more buy-in from people for sure. Yeah. And setting up experiences where people are inspired to use the behavior that you want them to use or inspired mm -hmm. to develop the skill you want them to develop um, without it, um, without needing to kind of spell it out. It's like they, mm -hmm. kind of, they find that capacity within themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it can help you to learn what teams are good at and not some of the games that I've worked on uh, focus around communication. And what I've learned from that is that some teams will do amazing in the game and I'm like, well, so what you've learned here is that you're communicating in a way that works, right? You are taking these things into account when you communicate, um, which is great feedback for a team to hear, even if it's not a learning experience. I mean, I guess the learning for them is, okay, this works. We're doing it correctly. Let's just make sure we are, we're going to keep doing it this way. We're going to be thinking about that because I think so many times if you're good at something, it may just be subconscious, right? that you're um you're as a team you're so cohesive and you you kind of learn that um shorthand right that everybody kind of has together when you work with people mm. um and so i think even that is productive if people are figuring out like oh we're doing a good job at this right <laughs> like, we Today. understand this it's rewarding for them too yeah it's making the the implicit explicit right um, that that has right. value too right and I think that's that's awesome just because, again, with those heavy-handed games, it's all about, like, let's think about this and blah, 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 right? And and what happens is if somebody's like, I already know about that, right? Like, you're not teaching me anything new, then in the end, it, it feels like a negative experience or, or it at least feels like a waste of time to them. Even though it probably wasn't, it's easy for them to feel that way. And again, that comes back to, like, the subtle... Trixie learning that we do <laughs> with people, right? 
Yeah, and the and the opportunity to discover things about yourself and each other because you just kind of dropped into this experience together. So there's kind of there's always going to be something that you learn if you've you know if you've crafted the experience well, because it's about it's about yeah reflecting. Absolutely, absolutely. So today we're going to do things just a little bit different. Um, we uh we've got we're gonna we're gonna brush a little bit on a topic but that's all gonna be inspired by a specific game um that logan has brought uh here today and the, and the whole reason that that we're having him on um i mean i'm sure that logan you're a cool person in general but uh but what <laughs> what immediately drew me to say like to Kiri, like oh my gosh this game which i learned about actually in the facilitators class i was like we have to have Logan on the show to talk about this. This is brilliant. Um, I want to hear more about it. I want to hear more about the story. And so, so um, the game is actually the award-winning game is Logan, an autobiographical tabletop game. And um, yeah. So can you give us like, just like a quick overview of, of, of what the game is just so that people kind of know what we're talking about. And then I, I think we could dive into it a bit deeper. For sure. So uh, as the title suggests, Logan, an autobiographical tabletop game, uh, is a game that is also my autobiography. So it draws on true events, true, true things that I've lived through. And what you basically do, instead of playing a fictional character, like, you know, your orc barbarian or what have you, uh, you play me, Logan, uh, a version of me. And you go through the game, through real events, anything from, um, you know, making art to potentially my parents' divorce. Uh, you play through, roll dice, and kind of journal your experiences and come out at the end of my end of the game with a version of my life in your hands. Um, so it's, yeah, there's dice involved uh, and there's choice as well. So it kind of mixes as well uh, with uh, choose your own adventure style. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea is that, yeah, everything that's in that book is a real thing that's happened to me. Wow, that's re- it's just so interesting and different. Um, it, I mean, the, what immediately comes to mind is some of the tabletop games that I've, I've seen that have been about historical figures or like historical like events and things. And you're playing through those, except for like, how much more personal is it that it's your story? Um, and so like in the game, there are like, they can end up at a different place than you've ended up. Is that, is that what you're saying? Or like by living through the experiences and making choices, they can end up at a different do they does it always end up with with logan as you now or um, i'm curious yeah i mean they're each logan that has been fictionally created is different to each other and different to me logan um mm-hmm. so like i mentioned before there's there's one event that you can go through that is my parents divorce and if you don't uh-huh. go through that event my parents don't get divorced and i'm sure Logan with 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 not divorced parents is different, very different to this Logan who's sitting here now on this podcast. Um, for right, starters, right. he doesn't have um, if his parents never divorced, he doesn't have two half brothers and two step brothers. Um, so that and that, you know, has ripple effects. Um, but anything from you know from massive stuff like that to smaller stuff down to you know maybe he doesn't have the same tattoos that he has. Uh, but there are always certain points that are uh, that you do experience that are baked Mm -hmm. into the game there's four uh, milestone moments which are important events and things that happened in my life that i didn't want to leave to chance or to dice um 
And those are things like becoming an older brother, um, realizing that I'm trans, um, and, and then two other sort of moments sort of related to that about finding, coming to a place of self-love with my very trans body. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the last one is around my beard, which um, is, is important to me as well. So it's a nice beard, just for the record. Like as another you. bearded person, it's a nice beard. <laughs> thank you, bro. It's kind of, it's kind of coming into shape, you know, in the past couple of months. It's been really doing its thing. So thank you, beard. Um, but yeah, so Logan, each Logan is different, but every Logan will be an older brother and will be trans and will love himself. Um, and apart that's from that, awesome. so many other things are possible. Wow. That's so what, like what? You know what? Um, could you you were this is not the first game you designed. You were designing. I know you've designed other games, but had you like um, this? Yeah. So was the, where did this come in your game design journey? That's what I was trying to ask in a really really weird way. All right. So this is uh, one of my more recent games. I think I designed it in twenty twenty one or twenty 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 one. Um. It yes, all blurs so together, right? It, it does, yeah. <laughs> with the, the pandemic, it kind of does blur. But, uh, yeah, so it's a fairly recent game of mine, um, and I'm glad that this idea came to me a couple of years into my game design journey because it would have been a very different game if it was, you know, the, say the first game that right. I tried to create. Um, right. So, yeah, it is. I started designing games in 2019, so there had been a, a couple of years before I had the idea of logan and then um went through and designed it right right and what what was the big inspiration point um for you wanting to to tell your story in this way and letting people i guess we'll start with that what was the big inspiration point for that that made you say hey i think that a game is is a good idea for around this around my story yeah, I think it's a couple of things. Um, one is that game design is my primary art form um, mm-hmm. and how I express myself and reflect, you know, the world around me. You know, some people paint, some people write. I design games. Um, so that that's one point that's kind of, yeah, if I, if I have a thing that I want to express, games is kind of where I instinctively go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second kind of part to that is that um, over the past maybe two years, um, more more often I have been reflecting on very small decisions that I've made or small happenstances that have then gone on to have a huge impact in my life. Like mm-hmm. um, an example being that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now a director at Amble Studio alongside Kiri and a couple of others of us, and that would not have happened if I hadn't said, you know, a number of you know, six or seven years ago, if I hadn't gone onto a Facebook D&D group um, page and said, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds like an interesting campaign. I'll join it. That was Haley's ah. D&D campaign and Haley's oh, wow. co-director. And that's how we uh-huh. met. And that's how she even knew that I was into game design and that that built. So if I hadn't, you know, been on Facebook that day and said yes to that post, massive, massive wow. ripples. Yeah, yeah. So that got me thinking, like, what other things could have gone differently in my life? What other right, events right. have I lived through that could have gone very differently? Um, and then, yeah, just sort of thinking about that kind of spiraled out into it, into this game. Right. Right. And what's so interesting to me about that is there are so many different ways you could have done that. Right. I mean, it could have been the whole butterfly effect thing, right. Where it was very impersonal and it was just the story of 
the ripple effects of small changes, right? Um, but the fact that you decided to center it on your personal story, obviously, that is a way to be very, very vulnerable and put yourself out there um, in a way that that I think a lot of people would find terrifying. Um, so was was there any consideration of that for you or are you were you like, no, I want to be open about this? Um. I mean, there was some fear uh, about being vulnerable in this way and what people would think, especially people who know me personally um, and who who feature uh, in the game, like my parents and ah, siblings. Right. Um, but, yeah, the focus, yeah, is on me and things that I've gone through. And I have often been pretty open. Um, I have, a, yeah, a tendency to just be really open about who I am and my journey, particularly around um, being queer and being trans. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was forced in the closet for a long time. And I think now since turning 18, being an adult and, and not being forced in the closet, not feeling forced in the closet, um, right. I've kind of like gone right to the other end of the spectrum, just been super open. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah, I've like, I talk to, you know, strangers on the internet if they have questions about, you know, being trans or my experience or stuff like that. I've been on TV. So this just sort of felt like another step down that path that I was kind of already going down of being open and being vulnerable. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess it's an interesting point around art when I'm thinking about art again, like someone, you could paint a painting. I could have painted a painting about, you know, myself and the butterfly effect of my life. But um, I guess art can be more, opaque or obtuse um mm -hmm. so it's just kind of goes hand in hand with game design i could have designed an obtuse game to be honest but i guess yeah maybe my right. um yeah my tendency or my, my my gut instinct to be vulnerable and open in hand with game design um and right, how i've right. designed games before to be fairly um opaque not opaque transparent the opposite of opaque right. um Hand in hand with with my typical game design and my my already being on that end of the the open spectrum went hand in hand to just be very open and vulnerable. Right, right, and I think that yeah, I mean that's I commend you for that because I think that you know there's that realization that your story could hit someone at the right time when they needed that support, um, and when they needed to understand the journey, and even though it's different for everyone. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I think it's, I think that's awesome that you were willing to put that out there. Um, so around the, um, I was curious, you mentioned, you know, your fear about the people who are featured in the game. Did you, um, did you, how did you handle that? Did you need to, I mean, did you seek people's permission? Did you just change names? Did you, I'm, I'm curious, you know, how you went about that. Because obviously, I'm I'm confident you could have just done it however you wanted, and not gotten in trouble for it. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, depending on what the laws are like in Australia, but in America, you'd probably get away with that. So, um, I'm curious how you approach that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like a lot of the time that so my siblings are mentioned um, quite a bit, but often as a group, as just my siblings, um, and one of the stats in the game of Logan is siblings. So you often roll plus siblings. Mm -hmm. um, and then so my parents are sort of mentioned or alluded to and like, you know, 
explicit, explicitly mentioned as my parents in the the event where they can get divorced. Um, but yeah, I kind of just wrote it all. And um, yeah, I guess I didn't feel like I wasn't saying things that weren't already like out there. Like everyone knows my parents are divorced. Um, right, right. Everyone, you know, and then other things like, you know, the games that me and my siblings play together, that didn't feel like um, right. things that, you know, we've shared those games with, you know, other friends, et cetera. Right, um, right. And family members. So it didn't feel like I was saying anything that wasn't sort of already out there and that I hadn't already said. Um, so no, I, I didn't seek permission from anyone. That could have been, right, a, right, right. now that I'm hearing about it, it could have been a thing that I could <laughs> like, have done. Oh, um, but dodge that one. <laughs> maybe, yeah, I don't know how that, that would have gone. That would have been an interesting conversation. But yeah, I just kind of wrote everything and, you know, read over it and felt confident that I wasn't saying anything new. I wasn't saying anything that I hadn't already said to them or to to others or you know mm-hmm. on tv that one time um and so just kind of went for it <laughs> on tv that one time think, yeah but um, also that um uh the thing of, of like in each scenario there's several different ways that it could go and it's not really clear but there's nothing in that text that tells you what actually happened for you in those moments i mean some of them are point. pretty um heavy <laughs> Um, and so it's sort of like, if it went in any of this direction, this is not a good thing. Um, but yeah, there is that kind of, um, flexibility or something. Mm, that's a good point. It's almost like, yeah, like a, a mask. So even in situations, um, where, yeah, it doesn't look good. It's you, no one knows like, oh, did my parents actually react that way or did they react this way? So right. the player doesn't necessarily know what actually happened. So it doesn't necessarily reflect on the people who are, who are spoken about. That's a good point. Right. And so that actually leads me to my next question, but actually I think it answers it. Um, is, is there a part in the game or, you know, in the, in the back of a game where it actually tells your actual story or no, does it just leave the players to discover on their own their experience of your story in whatever way that that happens? Mm, um, aside from the milestone moments, which I mentioned before, those, right. yep. um, there's pieces there, just prose. There's no dice involved. Apart from those, uh, it is never stated anywhere what actually happened. Um, I've, you know, I've said elsewhere what's, what's happened and things that I've done, but nowhere in the text is it, is it written, this is what actually happened. Right. Well, like, for instance, you're saying, you know, here, like, your parents got divorced, which is public common knowledge. Um, but other than that, okay. I, I was just curious if, you know, because obviously that that's a different lens for people to observe it through. And it kind of, uh, I mean, it kind of would influence, I would think, right? If somebody read that ahead of time, right? I think there are two ways to look at that. If If they read your actual story ahead of time, and then went to play it, they very well may be attempting to follow your story, right? And push it along the same path as theirs. Or <laughs> they uh, could be, or if they read it after um, they played it, I could also see that being negative in them feeling like, did they win or lose by, did they you know, adhere to your story when really that's obviously right. not the point of the game, right? The point of the game is for them to, experience your story in their own personal way. Mm. 
yeah i can also see potentially if if someone read my story and then played the game after taking options that were purposely super different to try right. and try and get right. as opposite you know as as right. one can right right for the for in i noticed for the milestone moments that you talked about the four milestone moments those all sound incredibly personal and all about you um and hence why you've locked those in um and that seems core to the experience of you saying that all of these other things could change but these facts about me would not change because those are the milestones in my life that have made me who I am today. Um, and I think that's, I think that's really clever. Um, so those sections you mentioned are just like prose where you just, you get to that point. Okay. Now you read this section that explains this is, this is where you're going to be at after this. Yeah. Each of them are um, sort of locked in light terms. Um, you have to uh, go through sort of the story arc of, um, the game of my life and at certain points you unlock a milestone moment um, so that you can go and read oh, it there's interesting. no there's no like f- no physical I can't physically lock you out of the game <laughs> you could skip ahead right, and read right. if you want to but right. um, yeah you kind of un- unlock them so um, very early on in my life you become an older brother and then sort of a little bit later you realize you're trans and then sort of things like that so it, there are some things that that still create that similar arc and give hints to um, how, how my, my life actually went. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm curious, um, you know, what, so it's, I mean, obviously, uh, you won an award for the game. I, I would love to hear about that, like how that came to be. And, um, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> and thank you to everyone who keeps mentioning it. Uh, so Logan won an Apia award for, I'm just looking over my shoulder to see what it was. It was a 2021 award for best PDF only game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Apia is the Australian role playing industry awards and cool. uh, it's a new sort of annual event and uh, designers are encouraged to self submit any game that they've made over the past year. And mm-hmm. it goes before uh, a board of judges and there's a number of different categories like best art, best um, adventure module, best um, technology or tool. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's also game of the year and best PDF only game. And there's a couple others as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I went to the Apia awards night. Um, and I was actually a co-winner on this award. I co-won with Mitchell Salmon for his game, uh, a modern Prometheus, which is also a very beautiful game. Um, and yeah, one, one, I got a certificate and a little medal and, um, very cool. Yeah. I saw the picture. I think it was on LinkedIn, uh, of that. Mm. So I want to add, though, that because um, I was I was there at the Opera Awards when Logan got the award, and um, had the pleasure of having lots of other game designers come up to Logan and just be like, "Wow, this is amazing! It's an incredible piece of art. Um, it really stretches the genre and, like, yeah, what we what we do as game designers. It's really, yeah, it was beautiful to see him recognized by his colleagues in that way." Yeah, that that is. I mean, other game designers saying like, "Wow, this is great." Um, it feels validating, right? <laughs> There's totally, no way around totally. that, you know. Other people who you respect and people who are doing what you're doing are saying, you know, this this is something to look up to, and this is really cool. I think that's 
Mm. Yeah, that, that's got to be inspiring um, for for when you're going back to work on more things. Hundred percent. And the the feedback um, even beyond that night at the Apias has been um, amazing. Has been very touching. Um, and the, yeah, a lot of people sort of saying that it's you know it's very different. Uh, it's very open and vulnerable. And yeah, it touched people in a lot of different ways. Um, so I, I've been really grateful to, I did a lot of play testing uh, before I released Logan. So I'm very grateful to um, have those play testers and um, receive their feedback. Uh, and yeah, very grateful to everyone who's like reached out to me or put comments on the game's itch page and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's been, the feedback's been really, really lovely. That's great. That's That's great to hear. Have you had, when it comes to players, I mean, have you had, I guess I'm, I'm most curious to know, like with players, um, you know, anyone from the trans community that, that has tried this, that has found the game to be helpful. I mean, have you heard feedback like that? Um, I know a lot of trans people have played the game and um, there are points that have resonated. Points that I've heard specifically around that are around um Logan being a story around sort of trans joy. Um, there mm-hmm, are, like mm-hmm. I was saying, yeah, a number of the, two of the milestone moments, in fact, deal and revolve around being trans and being joyful um, mm-hmm. because of that and, you know, coming to like right. my trans body, etc., and my beard. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of trans media, even still today, sadly, um, you know, movies and TV shows and stuff, uh, and books focus around trans like tragedy um right and tragedy and triumph is the i think alok who's a trans activist uses the term tragedy and triumph to talk about oh i'm trans and life is so hard and i have to fight to uh often it's revolves around medical transition like i have to fight for this and then they get you know hormones or what have you um or and they they overcome this difficult thing uh and then the story just kind of ends there and doesn't really talk about them as like a human being with a life outside of transition um and that's the other part that the other feedback that i've received as well is that logan shows that i'm you know i'm a trans man and that's important to me but so are you know my siblings and so is play and creativity Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and you know relationships and so yeah another thing that that logan has done, I guess that is positive, um, in the, when it comes to showing a trans perspective is showing as is away from, you know, tragedy and triumph being right, all, right. all encompassing and that my trans or that trans identities are the only identities that matter to a trans person. So moving away from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that, um, that, uh, we've talked about that before, uh, around the whole kind of, um, Dan Levy of shit, the creator of Shit's Creek talks about um you know that with just the lgbtq community in general and saying like what if we just create a world where it's just okay (laughs) you don't have to have you know he didn't use the term the tragedy and triumph but like you don't have to have you just you just see these characters in the world um and and they get to experience life and it's not like you know it's not hard because of those things it's hard because in his case, it's hard because, you know, his character is 
has a lot of flaws in general and none of them have to do with his identity. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think that, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I think that's a great, a great way to put that. And it was something that from my perspective, uh, not, not being part of that community, it was, um, it wasn't something that I realized until someone called it out. And I thought, Oh my gosh, yeah, you're right. Like all of these are, all of these stories are around that and they don't have to be, they could just be a normal story featuring these characters. Um, and the same goes for games. <laughs> what's been the reaction. What's been the most surprising reaction to Logan. Hmm. What's been the most surprising reaction. I think the most surprising thing is just how much it's touched people. Um, I I think maybe what I expected was people to be like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, you know, from a genre perspective, tabletop games haven't necessarily gone to this particular space before. Um, I think maybe I was expecting people to be like really intrigued or interested. Um, but a lot of people have been sort of, yeah, sort of deeply touched and have kind of gone on their own self-reflection journey and gained some insights to themselves, whether it's, you know, not necessarily about gender, but, you know, about their relationship to themselves um, through playing me. Um, (laughs) So that has, the depth of that has been surprising and the lasting impact that it has had on a couple of people. I think that's been the most surprising thing. It's very cool. Yeah, and I think that there's, yeah, there's things, maybe that's part of the power of it, that it does, you know, rather than, you know, if it was just a text and someone was reading your story, that would be one thing. But because they're playing your story, they're kind of more involved. And um, I feel like I've seen people play it and kind of find themselves in your story, find these moments. It's like, ah, I'm not trans, but my parents rejected me in that way. Or, um, you know, I had to, to come out to my parents um, as queer. And I, so, yeah, I've lived through parts of this story. Mm, yeah, there are certain points where people have felt, have felt that, that have been resonant with other players that can really, once a player like gets that, it, it, I feel like it shifts something, something clicks. Um, and they get a lot more invested. And yeah, the the format of of game does uh, require that kind of deeper interactivity. And so there are points where you're making choices that are going to have impacts. Um, And especially if it's around one of those resonant uh, experiences, yeah, I can see how that has, yeah, would would lead to to a lasting impact. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And you're right. Obviously, it, it translates just outside of your personal story and uh, to to a lot of other people uh, who have faced different but, you know, somewhat similar circumstances. Um, I, I'm curious, have you had like, have you had people who are part of this game? Uh, have you had them play it? Like, have, it, have, it, have any of your family played this? And I, I'm really curious to know. Uh, what what an experience like that would be, you know, for somebody, because um, that's not an experience you get very often. Like, hey, play this <laughs> game. You're featured in it, you know. 
Yeah. So um, I was on the Party of One podcast with Jeff Stormer playing Logan. And mm-hmm. my dad listened to that episode. Um, and yeah, I think he really liked it. He found it quite interesting. Uh, and he encouraged one of my brothers, um, Ethan, to also listen to it. And I think he got about halfway through and found it sort of interesting. So um, that's that's how they've interacted with it, which is um, which is cool and good. And then my sister um, did I did some crowdfunding for uh, Logan back when it was released. Um, mm-hmm. My sister did uh, help in the crowdfunding. She backed it and uh, wants has has wanted to play for a while. I don't know if she's gotten around to it, but every now and then she's like, "Oh, I want to play that game. Remind me to do that." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 That sounds like anyone who owns games. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pile of new games that my, my my wife is always like, what game did you want to play? And I'm like, oh, we should play one of these. Uh, you know, we do know how to play this other game. Let's just play that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. So I, I'm curious what, like when it, when it comes to making a personal game like this, because I, I do think this is a really interesting idea of it's very different from what we normally do as game designers. Uh, We may make a game about something that's, you know, personal to us and important to us, but a lot of times in a different way, you know, I have my friend Ben and, um, and, and Matt, Ben, they, they made a game together about like gardening. um, And it's all based on, on Ben's backyard and what, what they've created. His family has created in his backyard. And that literally is, like the, he's like the back my backyard is the game board for this game. And so it's it's personal to him, but it's personal to him in a way that's not personal. Right. Um, not like this story is. So I, I'm really interested in the idea of people, you know, thinking more about trying to you know make a game that would be uh, that would be, you know, um, yeah, that would that would be personal like this. And I guess that my 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 question would be like what what things would you tell someone to consider if they were saying, you know, I want to make a game that is different than this, but is as personal as this, is as about me as this is. Right. I mean, first off I want to say that that garden game sounds amazing. Um <laughs> it's it's very cool, yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll hit you up about that. Sounds great. Um, but what would I say to someone who is asking what should they think about if they're wanting to make a personal game like this? And I think for me, it's the driver is, yeah, what's important to you? What is something that you're really passionate about? What is bringing you alive right now? What's constantly on your mind um, or in the back of your mind, constantly just on the horizon. And that, that can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, for oh, ben yeah. That, maybe yeah. it's the, the garden and that's, that's a great personal game. Um, and for me, it's, you know, my siblings, it's my, you know, life, my life story. As I was saying earlier, that the idea of small choices, making big change, that was something mm-hmm. that was occupying a lot of my, brain space that was something I was really curious and kind of mm-hmm. interested and passionate about and so that led into this personal game so um yeah it can be about anything really but I I would um encourage starting something starting where your passion your passion is 
Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think then you're just applying it to yourself in a story that's, that's closer to you than, than just, you know, something that's more abstracted. But I think that obviously people need to abstract that in ways that are uh, comfortable to them, right? Because it's everybody's level of comfort. I just want to add um, fear. I want to add fear because it's like uh, in the moth storytelling podcast, like one of the criteria is the story has to have stakes. Um, so if it's if it's something that's a little bit revealing, if it's there's a little bit of fear to share this about yourself, like it's important to you and there's a little bit of fear um, to share what's important to you, that that really um, adds something compelling. That's a really good point. Yeah. That, um, that there are stakes. I like that. You know, the idea that it's not like, Oh, I could just make this. Um, but I think that is what I was trying. That is a good way to describe what I was trying to put my finger in and saying like, um, like the difference between designing a game that's based on your backyard and your garden and designing a game that's about your life <laughs> and an autobiography, right? Of different, different ways it could have turned out. And, uh, yeah, I think the big stakes like that are, are a large part of that for sure. Mm, and like kind of the personal stakes too, right? Like if mm -hmm. someone, um, plays plays the garden game and makes a terrible garden how emotionally connected to that might the designer feel versus someone coming in and you know if someone comes in and plays logan and extrapolates it so i'm a horrible person or something i'm a bit emotionally attached to that so that connects to <laughs> right. that connects to the fear um as kiri was saying right. that i might have a, a bigger kind of emotional reaction to that I mean, yeah. that's that kind of line of, yeah, a new horizon on how personal you, a designer might want to get with their games. Yeah, yeah. And I think considering that, like, now that you say that, like, it does make reviews a little more personal. You know, if somebody's like, oh, this game seemed interesting, but the story was awful. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah, no, so, no one has said that yet. But um, yeah, and I think as part of designing the game and releasing it, there's that sort of letting go of like, and, and self-acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. Like in a lot of designing this game was a lot of self-reflection and just sort of thinking about myself and my life and then putting it out there being like, yeah, this is, this is how I see my life right now. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, if pe people can interact with it, however they want, people can be like, oh, this is a really boring life game why did you even write this that's that's fine it's boring to them um right. but it's still like a piece of art that i created right, and right. i'm never going to like regret having created art what i yeah, right. what i consider art it was still beneficial to me if like to no one else in the universe right no that's that's great that does make me think though like you said that's how i feel it felt when you designed it right would it be something you'd ever consider going back to and amending, you know, 10 years from now um, to add in new milestones in, in a longer story I, I, that literally just popped in my head because you, you know, you made the statement of when you, how you felt when you made the game. Right. Mm, yeah. And um, again, if I, 
had the idea of auto bio, you know, a number of years ago, it would have been a very different game. Right now, I'm in right. a very positive place, and like I said, I'm in a place of um, still, you know, exploring and growing and and grappling with things. Right. But in in a place where I'm you know, largely happy where I am, um, and so that's very much in the tone of the game. But to your question, yeah, I would love to continue writing Logan and come back in. Um, you know, I've already got ideas. <laughs> So I'm like, hang oh, that's on, great how long that. do I need to wait before I'm like allowed to write the next book? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like, you know, if the if the first part of the game takes place over, you know, 15 or 20 years, then I, I feel like two years later is probably too soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, you know, the game covers the first 23 years of my life. Okay. I, was, I was 23 when I released it. So, um Yes, part of me, you know, and there's lots of different ways that one can release content. They can be, you know, add-ons or modules mm-hmm. rather than a yeah, full of course, version of 2.0. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to release, um, you know, a second volume, mm-hmm. uh, volume two or um, that kind of thing. I don't, as it is, I don't imagine that I will amend Logan at all. It'll be more that I'm adding on and telling a new, telling a new yeah, chapter, and is... adding another game. And I misspoke when I said that I, I was meaning like lengthening, amending as in attached. Like I was thinking of appending and I said amending, like, you know, appending new things to the end of it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't imagine you'd change any of the earlier stuff. What would be neat, though, would be to see someone who had played through the game and kept it. And then they were able to take the Logan that they had. Right. And then do the next chapter. Um, that could be really, really cool. Um Logan, the legacy game. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A legacy of Logan. <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, you got me thinking just then, um, a totally different idea, but like making a game of what I hope to happen in the future and then playing that and creating a Logan and then waiting until I catch up and seeing how we match. That's oh, yeah. a different game. I'll put that on the idea shelf. That is cool, though. That would be That would be neat to... That actually would be really neat to take where you've basically now gotten the first part. You've lived the experience and now you're saying, based on where I am now, where will I be at the end of this next chapter? You know, and then letting people live. That That is actually a super duper cool idea, I think. So, and yeah. I think that's interesting and it's still a personal game and perhaps has less emotional right. stakes because it hasn't happened yet like you can dream into the future and make stuff up and you know it's like oh it's whatever um it probably might become emotional by the time that your body catches up to your fictional self and that realization might be emotional but that could be an interesting place to start to to for any designer looking to start personal games to kind of dream into the future rather than look at the past Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that is see that that feels like the Hollywood sequel of give me the same thing, only different, right? <laughs> like that really much feels what, one of the things you said that reminded me of a quote that I heard and, and I heard this, it was like a Facebook quote. So like that someone said, so who knows who came up with this? It wasn't attributed to anyone, but you were talking about the, you know, the little things in your life that then add up to something else, right? That, that have these big impacts you don't think of. And, um, and what it was talking about was is that everybody is afraid that if they go to the past, if they could time travel to the past, that they might do something that would ruin the future. And they said, but, but nobody stops to think that the little things you do today 
are affecting the future possibly in big ways. Like nobody thinks about that, that we're basically time traveling every day, right? We have that same opportunity, um, but we don't view it the same. And and that was really, really interesting to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was very, very, uh, a, a perspective that we don't consider, right? Mm. I think nearly enough. Yeah, for sure. That is interesting. Excellent. Well, is there anything else you uh you want to cover on the game specifically? Um, I mean, we're talking about personal games, and I'm not at all the only person who's made personal games. There are a lot of other games out there. Um, some inspired by Autobi, but a lot that are not that existed way before. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to sort of look and see the different ways that people have gone about it. Um, and yeah. the different mechanics that people use uh, and design with that really influence then the, the flavor um, of mm-hmm. their story. Um, so I'm thinking of um, Robin, who is a, another Australian game designer, made uh, a game about their experience of the pandemic because um, mm-hmm. that was, you know, top of mind for them. Um, yeah. yeah, that's and so, fair. And, but it's using – are you familiar with the Wretched and Alone system i'm not familiar it uses that. a jenga tower and oh, um a series yeah. of prompts yeah so the the idea is kind of you know this impending doom you pull a block from the jenga tower and it, you, everyone knows it's going to fall at some point mm-hmm. and you're hoping against hope yeah. that it doesn't for as long as possible so having yeah. a jenga tower be the, the core mechanic yep yep sets a vastly different tone and kind of you know yeah. aligns with with robin's idea of you know the uh, her experience of the pandemic of like just things not going well and like we all know things are bad and we're just waiting for something real bad to happen mm-hmm. um, yeah no so uh, there's a one of my favorite role-playing games ever is called dread oh yeah and that uses that specific thing as well um and the idea that you know like you're on this adventure in this story and if you cause the tower to fall you 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 died like whatever action you did was that bad and you died and like um and it is a game that builds in intensity like you can't believe. I mean, you can if you've ever played Jenga, um, but like, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, it really ratchets up. So I can only imagine with the, that other game doing that. Yeah, that that mm-hmm. uh, very much would feel the same way. Like, um, and I, I think that I love tools like that, that people can use in different ways. Um, yeah, to to give you those different feelings. Yeah. In a game. Um... So yeah, Robin is um, small red Robin thirteen on Twitter, I believe, off the top of my head, um, and you can find her stuff there. And then uh, I think another one I want to shout out um, another designer, Jack Blair, who is uh, Kiwi, and um, they've made a couple of sort of personal games. Um, um, one that comes to mind for me is What Am I Made of, which is where mm-hmm. you use um, like Play Doh or plasticine. Um, and the game guides you through to make a little shape and it's kind of about reliving a childhood that you didn't have uh, or a childhood in a way that you would have liked and it for me and I think they were coming from their sort of trans experience and that's how I connect to it as well but there's lots of different yeah so plasticine Jenga cards dice um, Mm -hmm. talk about Mm -hmm. a specific event like two years of pandemic a whole life one part of your life um, you know there's so much that you can do with personal games um, and it's really exciting to see people do it. Yeah. 
Well, it is very, very cool. The thread that I'm hearing in there is around um, thinking about the experience that you want to create, what kind of experience you want to create for the player, and then using those tools to generate that experience. Um, and with personal games, it's it's about, yeah, working through something that's about you. Mm, and also thinking of like what's the experience that I was having at the time which I think you know often we think about yeah what experience do I want the players to have but I think in personal games I'm also thinking more more than I would usually with designing other games what experience did I have in that experience um yeah I don't know yeah that thread just sort of seemed interesting yeah yeah player experience definitely influences mechanics for sure for sure. Um, I did see that, um, that so Logan is on itch.io uh, um, and um, the uh, you currently have a sale actually going on it uh, appears for a Pride Month sale. Yes. Um, which <laughs> is better awesome. at doing promo for me than I am. Yeah, I have a, a Pride sale going on. It's a bundle of a bunch of my um, games that are connected to my queerness in some way. Um, and it's basically like a hundred dollars worth of games for ten dollars, um, if you want the whole bundle, or uh, you can get any of those individual items for something. Yeah, something like sixty percent, sixty or to eighty percent off. I can't remember the exact number. Um, individually, you can get them as well. So yes, you can go to breathingstories.itch.io um, and see uh, all of my games there. That's awesome, and uh, I'll say. Um... Anyone in the Discord, our BTG Discord, who's interested in these games. So yes, if you're in a Discord community uh, and you are, uh, especially if you are in the LGBTQ, L, bah, LGBTQ community, uh, let me know. And uh, and uh, I will, um, yeah, I'll, I don't, I haven't bought anything on itch.io in a while, but um, I'll figure it out and I'll buy it. And then, uh, yes. And I mean, I'll buy a copy for each of them, Logan. I'm not trying to like buy it and then download it and pirate that. So um oh good i'm yes yeah, i uh, i appreciate i appreciate that and also i want to celebrate um, those uh in our community who may find these games interesting um yeah so just uh let me know uh, we have a weekly meetup so uh feel free to hit me up there if you are in our discord yeah and um yeah i always i always appreciate people giving feedback so if you want to reach out to me with more questions um you can leave comments on on my itch page or you can reach out to me on Twitter at ink underscore and underscore stories. And um, yeah, I'm pretty happy to answer any any and all questions. I, you know, as you may have guessed, I'm pretty open to being vulnerable and answering questions. Right, right. Well, see, now you're doing my job. I was promoing for you. Now you're doing my job. So, um, <laughs> so we'll get to that part in a second here with the uh, with the with the Twitter. Um, but I wanted to say thank you again to Logan and Kiri uh, for coming on the show and having this conversation. This was a really, really good conversation to have. And I, I know I learned a lot about the game and I, I'm super interested to uh, to check it out more in detail now. Yeah, thanks for having um, thanks for having us on, Jason. It's good to, to talk about it and the whole sort of genre of personal games. And um, yeah, it's a really interesting space to explore. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Yeah, yes. Um, so, hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this discussion as well. If you want to find us, you can always go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. 
Um, you can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at PodcastPTG, at J.A. Slingerland. Kiri is at Kiri Bear. And as Logan mentioned, he is at Inc. underscore and underscore stories. And um, you can also uh, join our Discord, which you can find from our website. Highly recommend that. Come to our Discord. We do the weekly meetups. They're super fun. Everybody has a great time. And we keep each other accountable on our game design work, which is really cool. Also, you can get lots of uh, feedback on your projects and help with your projects in there. Uh, And it's a super fun community to be a part of. So we hope you come back again next week. But until then, good night. Good night. Good night. Building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. The end of the episode. That's when it technically ends.